0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 2264. Is Giancarlo Esposito messing with us? There are so many interesting things he has said in recent interviews about season two of The Mandalorian that, oh man, the doors he's opening are wild and we're going to talk about the possibilities on today's show. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, we were talking yesterday about the Fall TV preview, the October issue of Entertainment Weekly and The Mandalorian being on the cover and featured very heavily in there and also on the website too. We talked about a lot of that stuff, but we didn't address stuff that Giancarlo Esposito said. And so because of the fact that he actually says a couple of very intriguing things, and because there have been other things he's said in previous interviews that You know, haven't quite been enough to make a whole episode about. Well, I went back and collected a couple of those things as well. And so here today, we're going to talk about Giancarlo Esposito and his meditations on Moff Gideon and on developments for The Mandalorian Season 2. For one thing, there's been a lot of conversation about the Darksaber, right? That's the very special Mandalorian lightsaber. And in the Entertainment Weekly piece, he does talk about that and it says that he's quite adept at wielding it. He himself says, it's so exciting for me to be in a show where I can wear a cape and own it and where I can have a lightsaber and really own it. And previously, he's said that we will see more of the dark saber. You'll get the explanation of this ancient weapon to the modern world, a collapsed world. This is how he describes the current state of the galaxy. He goes on and says, where did this saber come from, and how was it revived? It's a key in our second season, which will be back sooner than later, which we know is now happening October 30th, so we are just a little over a month out from the debut. So because we know that this is a Mandalorian lightsaber, and because... We know that the person who wields it is supposed to be the head of Mandalore, the ruler of Mandalore. Basically, think of it as the Excalibur of Mandalore, if you will. Then... There's a lot of history that we're going to find out about with Mandalore from the time that we last saw them in Rebel Season 4 up until this point. So we're going to be, uh, I guess, 11 years later. And so we're going to find out about 11 years of Darksaber history and how it has been passed down. Not a lot of people have wielded it, at least as far as we know, but you know, or at least as far as we've seen, I guess. We've seen Previsla and Maul and Sabine and then handing it off to Bo-Katan... So this kind of does lend credence to the possibility of Katie Sackhoff being cast as Bo-Katan for Mandalorian Season 2 because of all this talk. But it also seems to indicate that we could even be going to Mandalore itself. It certainly opens up that possibility because how else would he have gotten it other than having gone to Mandalore? And that idea is only enhanced by another interview where he says the saber is a key to Moff Gideon's past, which possibly has a lot to do with where he comes from and his desire to build a planet and bring it back together. And he also refers to Gideon as a supreme being in a sense and that he knows it, but not everyone else in the universe knows it and says that what we as an audience don't know is how extra special he is yet. And... I'm giving you that, and I'm not going to say anything more just yet. But I want you to also hear this excerpt from an interview that he did for Entertainment Tonight with Ash Crossan, and he says a couple of things related to this as well. So here we go. Uh, to have this saber means I'm I'm I can use it, and I can do my own dirty work. That I'm a fighter, that I'm a warrior. That's part of me. Also creates the possibility of uh, uh, that he. Um, is uh you know one of the ones you know like he possibly has that and that to me is interesting because is he really that fallen hero is he you know uh is he a descendant of darth vader who is he Okay, so, (laughs) look, there's a lot to unpack in that one. Let's start off with an easy one. Being a descendant of Darth Vader, I think we can safely say that we're not taking that one literally, right? Like, Darth Vader had two descendants, Luke and Leia, and I I think that's where we're going to stop there. I think what he is hinting at is that Moff Gideon is a Force user, that he has Force abilities. I mean, that certainly goes along with the notion of what I was saying that he said before that interview snippet where he says, what we don't know is how extra special he is yet, right? And being a supreme being in a sense, like that certainly implies an extra bit of power that he's wielding that goes beyond what we see demonstrated in the final episodes of the Mandalorian season one and in that interview where he says he is possibly one of the ones that he possibly has that using the you know very indefinite uh, pronouns and language to avoid saying he's one of the force users he's not a Jedi he's not a Sith but he's somebody who knows how to use the force like that really sounds like where he's going with that when he mentions that is he really a fallen hero also like I don't quite know what to make of that one other than you know it strikes me that whole you know heroes on both sides thing that George Lucas used for the prequels you know maybe there's you know something related to that but he's played with the notion Giancarlo Esposito has of whether Moff Gideon is actually a hero or villain. Going back to that Entertainment Weekly story and also tying into the force-using thing, he says, You may think I'm a villain, but I'm trying to harness some energy and some powers for a path that could be best for all, and that you'll get to see him be somewhat diplomatic and more of a manipulator. And it extends even to the way that James Hibbard writes the story in the narrative around Giancarlo Esposito's quote. He says, Mando and the child are pursued by Gideon, who will serve as a source of temptation in the classic tradition of Star Wars villains trying to lure heroes down darker paths, right? So, yeah, there is a little bit of a Dark Side Force user feel to that. Esposito says it's going that, uh, excuse me, that he'll be going toe-to-toe with Mando and that it's an iconic battle. He says, I want to disarm him mentally as well. Who knows, maybe there's an opportunity to get him to fight some battles for me. And I think that happens to dovetail nicely with something I believe it was Pedro Pascal who said that they're going to be testing the limits of the Mandalorian's commitment to the child as a result of the events of season two, so that plays in as well. There's also one other very fascinating <laughs> door-opening hint that Giancarlo Esposito gives in the Entertainment Weekly piece, and I'll share that with you in just a second. I do just want to give you a quick reminder about our Audible deal: the fact that you can get a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial at sw7x7.com/audible. Hundreds of Star Wars books, thousands of non-Star Wars books. Maybe someday it'll be the other way around. Maybe there'll be thousands of Star Wars books and hundreds of other books as they take over everything, right? <laughs> Unlikely. But it's kind of fun to speculate for a, a few seconds, I would say. Anyway, sw7x7.com slash audible for your free audiobook download, free 30-day trial, and thank you so much for supporting the show. So I'll refresh your memory by... Reflagging the fact that in the article they talked about how, because there aren't setup costs, the same setup costs as with the first season, that more of the budget for The Mandalorian could appear on screen, so to speak, for season two. Giancarlo Esposito says that he is commanding, quote, a larger vehicle, hint, hint. Yes, hint, hint is part of the quote. And that does lead one to wonder, well, if it's not this, you know, TIE fighter with the folding wings, then what would it be? Well, the imagination certainly jumps to the notion of an Imperial Star Destroyer. And so, you know, that would certainly go along with the notion that, you know, a bigger budget could include special effects that would include a capital ship. Not just fighters and razor crests and other things flying around. And as they demonstrated with the prisoner transport from the episode The Prisoner, that's episode six from season one, they can certainly manage recreating the corridors inside a Star Destroyer within the volume, within that LED, you know, round room space. Like it would be very easy for them to pull off something like that. And the bridge of a Star Destroyer, yeah, no problem. So that. <laughs> I don't know what else you would imagine that larger vehicle hint, hint to be. I mean, yeah, it could be a freighter. Yeah, it could be something else. But really, it's going to be a Star Destroyer, I think. I think, you know, but if you have a differing opinion, I'd love to hear it. Drop me a line wherever you catch the episode or at home base at SW7X7.com. And that is going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much for joining me for it. As always, and may the force be with you. Wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney or Twentieth Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders, may the force be with them. All original content is copyright two thousand twenty by Star Wars seven by seven. We hope you love it.